Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Okay, welcome to ODI Fridays. Um, my name is Anna Scott and I'm delighted to introduce Sebastian O'Kelly and Martin Boyd from the Leasehold Knowledge Partnership, which is a national charity for leaseholders. And they'll be talking about the problem of bad housing data and the impacts that have and um, that has and what can be done about it. So if you're watching online, you can follow the conversation with the hashtag ODI Fridays and you're welcome to ask questions using the hashtag and we'll ask them at the end. Thanks. Thanks very much. I'm Sebastian O'Kelly, Chief Executive of the Leasehold Knowledge Partnership. And Martin Boyd, our chair, will shortly um, give the main talk really about um, the data issues involved. But I thought I'd do a quick introduction of what the Leasehold Knowledge Partnership is. It's uh, uh, um, what it's aiming to achieve and why we're bothering. Um, it's a national charity and it's the uh, Secretariat of the All-Party Parliamentary Group, which in the last Parliament had 170 MPs. We think we're going to be over 200 um, MP members in the new Parliament, and that makes it one of the most active and uh, important All-Party Parliamentary Groups uh, in Parliament. Our chairman are Sir Peter Bottomley, Conservative, Sir Ed Davey, Liberal Democrat, and Justin Madders, Labour MP for uh, Ellesmere Port and Neston in the North West. We give advice to leaseholders on how to avoid the disasters of the leasehold system, which can result in the loss of your flat and financial ruin, and we campaign for changes to reform this, form of syst this, this system of land tenure, which is unique to England and Wales. These are the only two countries in the world that sell flats as long tenancies. Everywhere else, including Scotland, you own a bit of the building, a bit of the land, and you have to cooperate with your neighbours to manage everything. Here instead, you don't own anything. You just own time uh, in a particular area of the building, and it is a long-term tenancy. It means you're not a proper property owner. Uh, it means you're seriously disadvantaged in any legal dispute with the person who is, which is the freeholder. Uh, the law will deal with you as a tenant, just as though you were a short-term tenant, even if you might have spent £140 million for a duplex in one Hyde Park. You'll be dealt with in law as a tenant. Modern leasehold came about um, in the 19th century, really, when aristocrats began selling some of their land, or sorry, began building on their land for the new middle classes. And rather than sell them the land outright, they sold them a lease instead. And as a result, London is unique among major cities in being owned by ancient aristocratic uh, estates, Dukes, Dukes of Westminster, Earl of Cadogan, but, uh, Duke of Bedford, Earl of Portman, and so on. Uh, as most people in England outside central London lived in freehold houses, no one cared that much. Although leasehold has been reformed many times, and these reforms have, in our opinion, been uh, ineffective and have failed. The issue is leasehold tenure itself, not trying to reform it or make it work. The issue is really serious now because in London we're only building leasehold, um, and in other cities and in semi-urban areas. So the leasehold tenure is hugely expanding. I think it accounts for 40% of all new build registrations, but Martin might address that in his, in, his, in his talk. So it means that instead of one Duke of Westminster, we're busy creating 100 of them. Um, every time you buy a leasehold property, you are also paying for a continuous income stream for someone else. 
There'll be ground rent insurance, management charges and permission fees, varying from consent to keep a, keeping a cat to sticking a conservatory on a leasehold house, which will cost several thousand pounds to get the consent. The, freehold, the freeholder will always, always want his, his, his cut. And we've seen numerous scandals in leasehold. We were responsible for blowing the whistle on the doubling ground rent scandal where some bright spark in the PLC house builders uh, decided it was a great idea to sell uh, leasehold houses and leasehold flats with very aggressive ground rents which doubled every 10 years. This meant that um, in a very short time, the, the ground rents were absolute, which are for no, char no service whatsoever, became absolutely impossible. They have made these properties unsellable. Uh, so there is about 12,000 12, uh, properties with doubling ground rent, we think, and around 100,000 with onerous ground rents, which are not sellable. No buyer will be able to get a mortgage on these new properties. And given that these properties were, were bought with, uh, usually bought with um, assistance from uh, taxpayers through the um, help to buy scheme, uh, we've all really been, uh, been wronged by this, as well as the customers who, who bought these. The freeholders to these properties were eagerly bought by speculators, many hiding their beneficial ownership offshore, so you'll never really know who owns, who calls the shots in these blocks of flats or in these houses. There'll be some anonymous company in the British Virgin Islands or, or in Guernsey and just be one part of the £150 billion of property assets in the United Kingdom which are owned offshore. House, house builders liked what they were doing so much that they started building leasehold houses up and down the country. There was no, you know, flats has a certain rationale, houses didn't, uh, and we ra raised this issue. So um, the government has now pledged to um, ban leasehold houses, it was mentioned in the Queen's speech yesterday, and to set new ground rents to zero. And we await uh, further reforms to leasehold next month when the Law Commission, after its sort of 18-month project looking at this, um, introduces its, um, its findings on how to sort of uh, do some reforms to lease enfranchisement and, and, and other issues to do with landlord and tenant law. Uh, these are all quite big issues that have been extensively covered in the national media. But I think probably I'll just leave you with one thought. There's now a an even bigger issue facing the sold issue, which came about really after the uh, Grenfell fire in 2017. Thousands of blocks across the country have been built with combustible cladding, which is now deemed unsafe. Social blocks will be paid for by councils, but who pays to remove the stuff from private ones? The government's initial idea was to ask freehold owners to do the decent thing and pay to remove this cladding from their building. Not one speculator in residential ground rents did so. And it's quite um, easy to understand why. The freehold owner is not a long-term owner of a building in any proper sense. He is simply the owner of a building's income stream. He pays for absolutely nothing unless some lawyer drafted the lease so badly that he gets caught out. His income is completely unaffected whether the building is well-maintained or a slum. The income stream is the same. In a succession of five court cases, it was decided that people, uh, the people who actually lived in the block, should pay to remove all this dangerous cladding. Uh, not, a, not the building regulators who approved the material, not the house builders who put it up, but the unfortunate customers who bought a tenancy in these buildings was deemed to pay. Government decided to intervene and put aside 200 million to pay to remove Grenfell-style aluminium composite material cladding. At only £200 million, 
the government could afford to do this by raiding the housing budget. Unfortunately, it's now decided by relevant fire experts that other forms of cladding are also equally dangerous and must be removed. From 300 or so sites around the country, we're now looking at thousands. From £200 million, we're now looking at billions. Uh, if government money is not put aside to help these people, um, then there will almost certainly be, there'll be court rulings uh, that they have to pay. And they won't be able to, uh, uh, to afford this, so many will lose their homes. Resolving this issue is the biggest single headache for the, uh, for the new communities secretary. Um, it's, um, it's something that government... It, it, to resolve this issue, government funding is essential or people will lose their homes. Of course, even if these flats had been common hold tenure, like, say, France, Italy, America, Australia, there would still be an enormous problem, although the issues are faced by blocks of flats in Australia and are being resolved um, by the Australian government through a, through a sort of loan system. But the most important point is that in resolving this crisis, there wouldn't be this third-party anonymous freeholder who serves no serious function in block of flats whatsoever except to graze off the income stream. That particular legal entity doesn't exist, so resolving this issue would be simpler. Now, to get to grips with this sort of crisis, we need to have the information, uh, the data on the, on the sites, cladding sites in London and outside, and for that, we'll listen to Martin to give his talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, apologies that the, uh, the ODI technology is not working, so we've got this nice long cable running over to the corner today. Um, uh, the, the, we're we're going to try and make this a little bit interactive today because it is Christmas, so you've all got to do some work in a minute. Um, and uh, what I want to do is uh, we'll be slightly light-hearted to start with, and then I'm afraid things get more and more serious as this talk goes on. And it could get even more serious if the computer doesn't work. There we go. Um, we've been really looking around at data in, in, in this part of the housing market for a long time. And we've been trying to tell people that, that a lot of the housing data that's out there is wrong. And very, very conspicuously, nobody wants to help put that data right. We've helped the housing department. We've helped the Greater London Authority. And they're all very keen to take the free information they can get off us, but do they want us to do any more work? Not a chance. So, just because you've got some numbers wrong, you know, why does that really cause a, a problem? Well, for us, it, it was fairly obvious that um, the government used to think that, that, that leasehold was a, a relatively small sector. It was self-regulated. It didn't cause too many problems. Government ministers in 2010, 2011 were writing out letters saying, we think the system is balanced and generally working well. But, you know, to me, so something just didn't add up. The numbers the government was talking about and everyone in the sector was talking about just, just, just didn't work. So in 2000, and towards the end of 2013, we began to look and the numbers look massively larger than the government was, uh, was suggesting. So we, we, we ended up being asked in 2014 to help them produce their own data. And they were very grateful. They took all our help and then didn't even mention us in, in any of the credits. 
Um, we got a little note from a minister saying, I understand you've helped my officials, thank you very much. So one of the bits that really had concerned me was um, where they got to the numbers. So we got to a new number of 4.1 million from a previous number of 3.5 million. Sorry, 2.5 million. But nobody, but in the, in, the, in the documents, there was no reference to where this 2.5 million comes from. And um, eventually we sort of got round to asking again, and they say, well, the, 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 the figure that they used um, uh, came from their previous, now where's the wording, Is that error? Pre previously used by the department but they couldn't actually tell me where that number had come from. So this is what I got out from them this year, finally. So it says, the paper refers to previously used estimate of 2.5 million, number of households, da, 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 da. Beyond the reference in this paper, we can find no reference to where we got our number from. So in 2014, they're making up a number of 2.5 million, and then they finally admit this year there was no basis for that 2.5 million. Because in reality, what had happened is that all government legislation in this part of the housing market had been made on utter, utter guesswork. And when the 93 legislation came through, the, uh, uh, the government thought there were about a million leasehold properties. And when the 2002 Act came through, they thought, well, it may be one, one and a half million. The 4.1 million that we'd got to came about as a result of the officials getting rid of every single possible number that they could. They removed everything in the social sector, they got rid of Wales. They went to the lower end of the estimates that they'd got and yet it still went from their claim to 2.5 to 4.1 million. And that meant that all of the regulation systems that they'd had in place till then hadn't really been fit for purpose because they were designed for a smaller system. All of, the, all of the tribunal procedures that they had in place that they thought, it, were, thought were working well were based on the fact that they thought they had about one, two million properties. And if you've got four million properties, then that paints a very different picture. So it took us about a month to get to our numbers when we were helping the government. And, it, 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 you know, I, I can't claim to say that it was, you know, that it is a you know, massively clever uh, process that we used to, to get to the numbers. It was just a lot of hard work and looking through land registry data. So we didn't use estimates, we used real data. So this is where I need you to do a bit of your, your work because one of the things that the... Um, the, 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 the government likes to say is that as well as the leasehold system working well, the help that people can get um, is working well as well. You know, you've got no problems with leaseholder, you know, all can. So I need you to try and work out a number for me to see if you can get now a more accurate number than the housing department. So um, in 2014, Ipsos Mori did a survey and they asked people, have you ever needed to ask for help and advice about leasehold issues? And of those people, 
um, slightly less than half said that at some point in the history of owning a property, they'd asked for some sort of information or help. So we've got, we'll start with, we'll pretend we've got 4 million properties. We've then we'll pretend we've got 2 million of those people have at some point in the history of their ownership of the property asked for some help. And then there's government ag has an agency which offers help. And what the Ipsos Mori data showed was that about 5% of the people who'd asked for help had asked this organisation. So does anyone want to sort of come up with a rough number based on that data as to how many people a year are asking for help? From whom? From, from the government's organisation. So we've got two million people asking over an undeterminate period of time. It might be five, it might be ten years. And within that group, over five or ten years, five percent of those people are going to the government advice centre for help. 100,000, right, 100,000. You're entirely wrong. Entirely wrong. So, governments uh, was asked a question about this. Um, sorry, this is a bit vague because this is taken from a screen grab of a disclosure that we got from the government recently. Um, they were asked a question by a, a member of parliament, you know, how many people is this organisation helping? And they, they came up with something. The first thing that strikes you odd is, is that they felt the need to answer the question in relation to two separate years rather than one. So it's like saying, how many holidays did you go on last year? And you were on five over the last two years. Well, you might have been on five two years ago and had none this year. We don't know. We certainly know there is some change in the data, but for some reason, the, 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 this official is wanting to, to hide things. And they're not saying 100,000, they're saying over two years, 1.6 million. So if we've got 4 million properties and 1.6, sorry, 1.7 million people asking for help, then either these numbers are completely wrong, which they probably are, or you've got some really, really serious problems in the leasehold sector that nobody knows really exist. So the reason that this one interested me, and you will struggle to read this online, but you can do it, is <laughs> the reason they wanted to put the numbers together this way and use the term people is because a civil servant in the housing department did not want this pesky person called Martin Boyd FOIing them to find out what this really meant. Because the reality is, in those years it wasn't necessarily people that were being helped, it was companies. Because although this is an organisation that's meant to help leaseholders, they were actually helping landlords and managing agents as well. So we've got a supposedly impartial civil servant here, and what's he trying to do? He's trying to put the data together so that I can't FOI it to find out that what they're saying is a load of rubbish, which is not good news. So, um, just... just so you see, this is the Ipsos Mori thing. So they interviewed just over 1,000 people. 472 had said that they'd used it. And then down here, 4% of those had gone to this government organisation. So, um, but nobody, nobody bothered the fact that the numbers just didn't tie up. 
Okay. We now need you to do a bit more work because we've now got the, 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 the GLA. Uh, because this is the Mayor's housing strategy from last year, very big and important document. He asserts that in London there are two million people renting and there's over half a million leaseholders in the capital. So we're going to see if, if we can now quickly get to a point where you can come up with a better number than this. So, in the capital there's about 3.5 million houses. In the outer suburbs, between 20 to 30% of those properties will be flats, i.e. leasehold. When you get slightly further in, that number goes up to 50%, 60%, and then when you get into places like Docklands, you're looking at 90%. So does anyone want to come up with a number roughly as to how many, how many leasehold properties do we think? So we've got 3.5 million, and you've got anywhere between 20% and 90% within each of the boroughs are, 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 are flats. Million and a half, million and a half. You wouldn't be too far wrong with a million and a half. So there you go. In in, in thirty seconds, you've got to a more accurate number than the you know several billion pounds of resource that the GLA has. And how on earth do they plan? How do they plan to what our future needs are going to be if they've got absolutely no idea what it is that we're we're building? So we go on from there. MHCLG, we, we've been sort of having a, a big whinge at them about their data on leasehold. Their latest set of data shows that um, in the year 2017-18, there was no increase in the number of leasehold properties. So as Sebastian said earlier, we know that about 40% of all new build is leasehold. Looking on the land registry, the figure was um, about 41,300 new build leasehold homes worth a modest um, £16.4 billion. So again, you know, if, if, if nobody knows what's going on, how, how on earth does the government know, you know, whether the right thing's being built, whether it's getting the right amount of money? Who knows? Um, so what does bad data do? Um, why is it important? Uh, we, we'd looked at the leasehold house issue and um, it was one of the things, we went to the... Um, the minister in 2015 and said leasehold houses is becoming a really big problem. Um, and the officials said, no, it's not, minister. We don't have anything to worry about. And of course, that's now blown up massively. There are a whole load of people, um, particularly in the northeast and northwest, who have got um, onerous leases, who can't sell their property. Their property's gone down in value. Um, and um, that had only happened because nobody was looking. The developers realised they could make more profit by selling a house as leasehold than they could as freehold, and that's what they did. They're businesses. It's just nobody was there to control them. Um, that then came to an end. Now, that graph either shows that things began to tail off after we um, managed to break the news that this was happening and get it publicised, or it happened after the government announced that they were going to ban leasehold houses at some point in the future. But unfortunately, the government didn't announce that until here, when the numbers had already started to gone down, and they were falling anyway because people had suddenly got to the point of deciding they didn't want to buy these properties anymore. Um, the Help to Buy scheme, where they've sold an awful lot of leasehold properties, 
has, as everyone knows, helped make huge profits for the developers. But if the government doesn't know what's being built, how does it know whether the, the developers are providing value for money? So the government have a help to buy scheme which says to get you on the property ladder, we will pay part of, of the money towards your first house. But, if the, but you can only buy a brand new house or flat. So the developers are sitting there with a captive market. They know the government is help, going to help contribute towards your, 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 your property. And we have seen absolutely enormous profits and yet at the same time, there are more and more stories emerging of very poor quality housing being built. As Seb was talking about earlier, we have the awful cladding issue that follows on from the Grenfell crisis. Whereas it started off, we were talking about possibly 15 or 20,000 properties impacted. The sector is now talking at anywhere between 320,000 and 1 million properties impacted. Now those are properties which for most of this year have had their value slashed enormously. The sector has reached the point where it's so concerned about what is and isn't safe and what buildings should be that they have been valuing flats at zero. And the sector has only just got to the point where it's trying to find a way around that. So I'm not going to claim, and it would be odious to do, to do that, to say that data has anything to do with the Grenfell tragedy. There's clearly a number of very, very serious mistakes made at that site. But what it is clear is that we are now finding many, many buildings which are built in a way that is now deemed to be not compliant with the building regulations, which they were deemed to comply with when they were first built. Building regulations haven't changed, but the government's reassessed their view. So by not having data, by not knowing what we were building, we suddenly find ourselves in this awful vacuum. So you'd have thought immediately after Grenfell, the government would have made sure it did get more, more better information. But as of today, we still have no idea how many blocks around the country have cladding. We know how many blocks have ACM cladding, but not the HPL and wooden cladding that's out there. Because the government, in its infinite wisdom, after Grenfell, decided it would ask local authorities to go and look at its large blocks, but only those blocks they thought had ACM. And it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world sometimes to go, that's ACM cladding, that's not. So the local authorities went out there, they looked at their tall buildings. Um, but um, they, they didn't necessarily look at all of them. And, you know, the reality is, if you've got defects in a building, you can't necessarily see those defects from the outside. So somebody at some point is going to have to go back and look at all the building regulations sign-off and find off whether people signed off for things that hadn't been done. So, at the moment, nobody really has any idea how much it's going to cost to make these buildings safe. There is no data. There have been estimates from the social sector and they've talked about the fact that in the large London-based 
social landlords, they could be looking at something like up to 6.8 billion in fire remediation issues over the next 10 years. So that's just the London-based social landlords. In the private sector, it's going to be as big, if not bigger than that, and other social landlords around the, 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 the rest of the country have that, that, that problem. So we don't, have, we don't know how many homes are at risk. And that's the awful thing, that it's all very well to sit there and go, oh, it's a number, what's it matter? But if you're the number that's sitting at the top of a cladding block and you've got small kids, it's a lot more important than a number. And those people are going to have to go through another Christmas sitting at home, not knowing how safe they are. So that's why numbers are important. Um, they are absolutely awful in the sector. What's going to happen to change that? I don't know. Thank you. one. It always takes a few minutes for people to... It's all right, I'll just take the cable out now. Okay. Yeah, if you could say your name as well. Uh, my name's Jim Hudson. I work in uh, community-led housing, yep. uh, largely in uh, community land trusts, but uh, not so related to that, and I, I'm not aware of the wider legislation, but there's been talk about um, the government getting rid of leasehold at some point, which you've, you've already touched on. Yep. What's, what's the likelihood and the status of that and how might it work, particularly given, as you say, nobody knows how many properties and how many freeholders that would actually affect? Yeah. Well, the, I, I know that the, um, the, the, the cooperative and community housing groups made a lot of input to the, the government consultations. Um, the drive from the government is to move to, from a leasehold system more towards the common hold system, which is what's used in the rest of the world, strata title, condominium, as it's, it's called in different countries. Um, and there are concerns from the uh, community um, housing groups um, uh, 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 about whether um, the, 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 the new system will put the protections in place um, that they want. Um, as far as I know, in other countries, those protections do exist, but they will be different to the protections that you've currently got. And, um, you know, we have been encouraging the community groups to be as supportive as possible for moving from a, a leasehold tenure system to a, a common hold. I mean, ultimately, even if you're a community landlord, you know, you are the landlord, you still have the right to forfeit someone's property if they don't pay their service charges. And you get to keep the windfall profit under the law. I mean, even though, you, 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 know, you, you, you know, hopefully that would never happen and you would give the, 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 the additional profit back, it is still that, that, that oppositional relationship that exists. So hopefully it will go. I think we're still struggling to work out when we're going to get Brexit done, so I don't think we've got any ideas yet. I mean, it's, it's going to be two or three years before the legislation comes forward, I think. It's so. It's also worth noting that these changes would be for new properties rather than for old. Yeah. I mean, nobody is really saying that there's going to be a huge attempt to remove existing leasehold, although you can, you can make enfranchisement easier, you can make common hold easier to acquire an existing buildings, but that's going to be a slower process. But what we need to do with leasehold is stop creating more of it. That's the first step. Sure. 
given this is the Open Data Institute, um, when you talk about building control, that's held by local councils. How much of that did data is openly available and queryable? And how easy is it to... It's difficult to know. I mean, we, we, you know, it, it's been very obvious that n nobody wants to, 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 to support any work in look, looking at this, you know. It took you in this room, you know, a couple of minutes to get some more accurate data than the housing department and the GLA have got. So how bad is it? Yeah. I guess my question is, are there standards for how the data is held by the local governments? <laughs> that, that would be uh, uh, another question as to whether it's standardised. I mean, one of the things that does seem to be coming out of the cladding crisis is a recognition that we do have to have much more of a database about the buildings we've got. Uh, Hackett called for the fact that there should be um, a, 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 a detailed record of what actually is in the building. And what's becoming very obvious from um, a lot of the surveys that are taking place now when, when people are checking the cladding is what's actually put up is not necessarily what it says within the planning department's um, um, information. Any other questions? No? And I don't think there are any online. No? Okay, well, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Everyone join me in. Thank you. Thank you. And um, have a great Christmas. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.